Fresh Ink makes me sneeze. This stuff is the kind, man. You pay off the FBI with this and they'd never know. We just sell it by weight. Takes too long to count it. Who cares? Plates are excellent. But the paper, unbelievable composition. Spectroscopy, my friend. Spec what? Molecular analyzation of matter through laser light. Read a book sometime. I was hoping in my heart that this wouldn't affect our friendship. But I can see you're not big enough to get over the fact that she dumped you. <laughs> dumped me? Is that what she told you? There's the signal. Hit him! Fast cars, flashy clothes, big money, heavy players, and the hot Miami scene. These were the main ingredients that made Miami Vice one of the most innovative shows of the 1980s. Journey with Tim and Mark as we take a peek into the drama series with an MTV feel on the Vice of Miami podcast. Welcome back, Vice fans, to the Vice of Miami podcast for show number 19. Tim and I hope you enjoyed the last episode covering the maze. Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and join us as we go over episode 18 of Miami Vice, Made for Each Other. And Mark, this episode was written by Alan Weisbecker and Joel Sternow, directed by Rob Cohen. And the original air date was March 8th, 1985. Our summary for this episode is Zito has to move in with Switek and his girlfriend, Zito's ex, while they watch over two crazy informants, Izzy and Noogie, working a stolen goods case. That music brings us to the guest stars and the co-stars of this particular episode. Tim, take it away. Our first guest star is Martin Ferraro as he reprises his role as Isidore Izzy Moreno. And we have a special guest star, Charlie Barnett, reprising his role as... Tim, go ahead and do it. I'll let you do this one. Nugar, Nuggie Lamont. First guest star that we have uh, a little bit more our bio on is... Ellen Green as Darlene. She was born February 22nd, 1951 in Brooklyn, New York, and was the daughter of a guidance counselor and a dentist. She began appearing in nightclubs as a singer in the early 1970s, then made her stage debut in 1973's Rachel Lilly Rosebloom and Don't You Forget It, followed by a role in 1974's In the Boom Boom Room. She made her TV debut in the miniseries 7th Avenue. Back on a stage in 1982, she played the role of Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors for two years, then reprising her role in the movie version in 1986, and again reprising the role in a stage version in 2015. She appeared in the movie Talk Radio, later appearing in The Naked Gun, 33 and a Third, The Final Insult, Wagons East, One Fine Day, and her most recent film, Love's Last Resort. Her TV guest appearances include Sybil, Law and Order, Suddenly Susan, The X-Files, Crossing Jordan, 
mystery woman seeing me a murder, heroes pushing daisies and her most recent appearance as Primrose DeVille in the soap opera The Young and the Restless, the 2013 TV series Hannibal, two 2013 webisodes of the series The Walking Dead, and an episode of the animated series Tangled. Green has been married twice in 1990 to Tabor Hardick. After they divorced, she married Christian Kilkovitz in 2003 until their divorce in 2007. Next up, we have Mark Lynn Baker as Bonzo Barry Gold. Born June 17, 1954 in St. Louis, he's an American actor and director. He attended Yale University where he graduated with a Master's of Fine Arts in Drama. He began his stage career on Broadway in 1983 with his role in Doonesbury. He made his film debut in 79's Manhattan, then appeared in the end of August. He did guest appearances on several shows, such as Miami Vice, but his most famous role is Larry Appleton in the comedy Perfect Strangers. Baker appeared on other ABC shows, including Hanging with the Cooper, Spin City, and Family Matters, then Law and & Order and Law and & Order Criminal Intent. Baker's most recent appearances were in the 2010 movie How Do You Know and the TV series The Good Fight and Blue Bloods. Baker was married to set designer Adrian Lobel from 95 until their 2009 divorce. They have one daughter. Then Baker married Krista Justice in 2012. Mark, our next guest is Nicholas Woodison as Artie Cross. Born November 30th, 1949, Woodison is an English stage and television actor. Woodison began his American film career in the TV movie A Rumor of War, then appeared in his first American movie, Heaven's Gate. After his vice appearance, he returned to his native England and appeared in several BBC television shows and movies before returning to America in 1993's The Pelican Brief, then was in The Man Who Knew Too Little, The Avengers, The Danish Girl, and his most recent American appearances in the TV series Taboo and Will. He also appeared on a stage in the West End in England. All that is known about his personal life is that he lives in London with his family. And finally, we have Carla Tamborelli as Ample Annie. She made her film debut in this episode as the stripper who married Noogie. She later became a singer and waitress who befriended Dorothy Bain in the episode Buddies. After her film debut in Mammy Vice, Tamborelli appeared in the following TV shows. Valerie, Seinfeld, Friends, The Big Easy, and Maximum Bob, which was her last recorded film appearance. Movie credits include Die Hard 2, Nothing But Trouble, City Slickers, and Forever Young. In 1993, she was awarded the Joseph Jefferson Award for Best Lead Actress for Lost in Yonkers at the Fox Theater in Chicago. In the late 90s, Tamborelli transitioned to being a TV producer. Her first major work behind the camera was for the first annual Screen Actors Guild Award, which she produced between 1998 and 2006. And we have nothing known about her in her personal life. And the only co-star for this episode is Johnny Hernandez as John Castellata. Let's cover the music playing in this episode. First up, we have Money, That's What I Want by Barrett Strong. That's the opening scene in the warehouse with the counterfeiter. Treat Me Nice by Elvis Presley. That's when Darlene moves into Switek's place. And Rubberneckin' by Elvis Presley. That was playing on Switek's TV. 
the Jan Hammer music that showed up in this episode was Night Talk, and that's when Crockett and Zito were at the OCB at night. We're now going to move on to our goofs, fun facts, and locations. The first goof is when Artie torches the money, the flames are clearly in front of and behind the giant stacks of notes rather than on the money itself. Another goof we have is when Switek and Zito enter the yacht to rescue Izzy and Noogie. It's very clear that the boat is actually tied up and not heading out to sea as in the previous scene. You can clearly see ropes and appear. And our first location is the Warsaw Ballroom, which is located at 1450 Collins Avenue in South Miami Beach. And that's the opening scene with Artie Cross and the Counterfeit Money. This is now a Senior Frog's restaurant bar. It has the same design, glass block windows, and scalloped pediments. Check it out on Google Maps. We will actually have a photo of then and now on our Facebook page. Next location is Northeast 16th Avenue and Northeast 121st Street in North Miami. That's when Switek and Zito meet Noogie and Izzy. And this is near the recently occupied Greenwich Studios. And our final location is 6448 South Dixie Highway, which was Bonzo Berry's store and is now an Ace Hardware. And finally, we've got a show note. Philip Michael Thomas was injured doing a stunt in this episode and doesn't appear for more than half its runtime. He's also absent from the next episode, The Home Invaders. Let's go over the trivia portion of this episode. In the last episode covering the maze, we asked how many bottles of Fanta was Swaita carrying from the store and what flavor? Well, two bottles, at least that we can see, and the flavor was orange. We will post that on our Facebook post. And now for this week's trivia question. After their covers blown at Bonzo Berry's, Zito did not think that they busted the check in the store for solicitation, but in the end... Switek was right about that. Stan, when they go outside in their car, Stan says he's going to tell Castillo that he's teamed up with a what? You can post your answers on this episode's Facebook post, or you can email us at viceofmiamishow at gmail.com. We will air some of the answers. This is for fun. No prizes. Right now, our fans out there, we are going to start the discussion portion of our show. The opening scene is at the Warsaw Ballroom. And as we find out when this episode opens that it's actually now abandoned and being used as a front for a counterfeiting operation where we see lots of guns and funny money. Crockett and Tubbs are working undercover as prospective buyers from a one Artie Cook. And across the street, we have Zito and Switek as backup, but they were posing as orderly, which was Zito, and a resident of what appeared to be a retirement home. As they were waiting for things to go down, they were discussing life changes in their dating scene. Well, eventually the bus goes down, and he pulled the chain, and it spread gas on all the counterfeit money, lights it up. At that point, you know, Crockett and Tubbs' cover is blown, and we get our usual gunfight, they take Artie into custody, and then as they're bringing him out, Zito and Switek waiting outside, 
to help with the apprehension, Artie just scoffs at him and says, all you have is ashes. Well, at that point, Zito goes right back into the fire, which to me was a little bit untenable, but he went in and he comes crashing back out with some of the unburnt contraband. And that's where Swiatek, because he's way concerned about his partner's well-being, he gets in Artie's face and he says, ashes, huh? Ashes. When we come back from that usual commercial break after the opening credits, we find Switek driving Zito home. And, and this is, Tim, where I found that the, uh, Zito was kind of lamenting on his happy place in his life in this scene, if I'm correct. Kind of yes. running down things that are going right. And then guess what happens? They arrive at Zito's home, which the fire department stops and they ask him, hey, do you know uh, Larry Zito? And he says, that's me. He says, you know, and then he discovers that his house... Come was on. blown to bits in a gas explosion. But then Switek, and, and this is just this comedic relief, Zito's loss. Switek opens up his mailbox for him to find, he said, oh, guess what? Your gas bill arrived. <laughs> that, <was laughs> that, was, that was pretty funny. The scene then moves to Switek's apartment where we find his girlfriend Darlene was moving her stuff in and putting all his stand stuff out on the, the front stairs and on was the, it the cardboard things. Was there a cardboard Elvis on the stairs outside? Yes, there was. Basically, he's getting shoved at a side. You could immediately see that she's high maintenance. Stan tells her that, you know, Zito, Larry, he's going to stay with them for a few days until he finds another place to live. And that's where Darlene blows up in his face and they're arguing in the bedroom while Zito is just sitting on a couch and he's obviously de- dejected. And where he is at this moment in his life and just moments before he's talking about where he was in his happy place. And now right. that's I, gone. I think this is where he's like, uh-oh, the, the toilet bowl is swirling now. I was up high on the toilet seat, I guess, but now it's swirling. That's, yeah. that's what kind of way I took it. Yes, absolutely. Huh. What's up, Jeff? Gas main exploded. Do you know Mr. Lawrence Zito? made a few minor decorating decisions. I hope you don't mind. Oh, and we're going to have to hang your clothes in the garage. What garage? Larry. Darlene. Well, I wasn't expecting guests for dinner. Larry's house blew up. Gas main leak. He lost everything, Darlene. Uh, I told uh, Larry he could stay with us for a couple of days. Larry, uh, could you give us a couple of minutes... Stay here. Why not? He's I my friend. I don't even know why you brought him in. He's got to stay here. He's got to stay here. I'm not even a pet. So what do you want me to do with him? Him in the box. He's got nowhere else to go but here. I don't know my friend. Don't you care about me? I guess I'll park myself on Mr. Sofa. Uh, we're at OCB now. Gina and Trudy have a gift for uh, Zito. It happens to be a goldfish uh, because he lost his last one. He's going to name it Harriet. Zito and Switecker talk about getting Zito some replacement clothes. Uh, Casillo enters the scene and asks Crockett and Tubbs about the counterfeiting operation, and they tell him they pretty much have nothing. He then moves on to tell them that a master fence named John Castellata is back in town. He's working as a broker to move uh, the merchandise so he doesn't get directly connected to the fencing activities. Zito volunteers himself and Switek for this job as they have a way into this operation. Zito and Switek, we find that they're going to work undercover, on one of Castellata's primary fences to set up a meeting with the big man so they could catch him with his hand in a cookie jar, so to speak. That primary fence is Bonzo Berry. 
And this is where we move along to outside the Bonzo Berry store. Switek is kind of upset that they could have had a couple of days off until Zito opened his mouth to take on this task by Castillo. It's revealed in this exchange that Darlene once dated Zito. Zito and Switek enter a store to find Barry filming a cheesy commercial. I think he was in a spacesuit or something yes, like that. Yes, he was. And he had a he had an ape or a chimp there or a baboon or a rank. It was like bizarre. That. Yeah, it was, it was weird. For, for a businessman, bizarre. But well, how many times do we see goofy-ass stuff? Oh, yeah. And commercials and... Moon oinks. Uh, Switek says that he thinks they busted one of the chicks who was in the commercial for solicitation. Zito stakes his life on it that she's not the girl. I stake my life on it. I stake my life on it. So at the end of the filming here, Zito and Switek uh, posing as discount buyers. They approach Barry and offer an 80% discount on their wares, and he takes the bait. Suddenly, before they go in the back office to discuss this... This chick they thought they busted comes up and tells Barry, are you doing cop business? And Barry's like, why? Well, because these guys are cops. Well, guess what? Switek was right. They did bust her in the past. Their best lead on Castellita was blown and flushed down the toilet in 15 seconds, pretty much. Excuse me. We talked on the phone. We're the uh, discount suppliers. Yeah, well, like I told you, I got my own discount suppliers. Yeah, but uh, not like us. We can really pull our weight. Top of the line. Sony, Nakamichi, Luxman, Macintosh, state-of-the-art, all factory sealed, 80% discount. All right, let's go back to my office and uh, you can convince me. Barry, Barry. Not now, honey, I'm talking some business. Police business? What do you mean police business? Well, when you're talking with two cops, you're usually talking police business. I took a bus from these two guys. Get out of here. Switek laments about how he's going to tell Castillo that he's teamed up with a... Man, that's this week's trivia question. We're not going to give it away. Not so yet. Everything went south with Barry as being that, that uh, gateway into Castellata's operation. Zito and Switek go to see one of their favorite CIs, Noogie Neverly Lamont, who tells him that he's getting married to stripper Ample Annie, who's like in the background doing one of her dances, and basically it was his bachelor party. So Zito and Switek start asking him about the fencing business. He says, I'm not in that anymore. Not in the game anymore. They don't buy it for a minute, and they pressure him to get information on the Castellana operation. So, Nug, how's the fencing business? If you got the wrong brother, Jackson, the Nug man is one rehab. John Castellata? Man, that's one heavy dude. Find him. How am I going to find him? Man, that's impossible. What is you, drunk? Then the scene shifts to another favorite CI, Izzy Moreno, and he's basically doing a breaking and entering at a pet store, and he gets busted by Zito and Switek. 
I, at this point, I'm not sure how they knew where he was at, unless they were just following him. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought too, because they just pop up out of nowhere. Pop out of nowhere, so, but maybe they yeah. were following him. They wanted to get his hand in a cookie jar doing something wrong, so then he's beholden to them, and now he's got to do whatever they want so he doesn't get charged because basically he he gets busted going in there. I think he was going to go to go into the register and clean out the till, but he start once they busted him, he starts giving his BS story that he was checking on the pets and things like that. And, you know, I work there, but he knows that the gig is up and then he just starts bragging about how I've been arrested several times, but never no convictions. And this is, I guess, you know, you can only make that assumption or, or connect some dots here that they were following him to get him, put him in this situation because he wasn't going to disappoint. He's just a, he's a thief and that's it. So they also pressure him to set up Castellata. Then we move to where we first meet Johnny C. Johnny Castellata. He's on the phone and he's facilitating the movement of stolen merchandise. And then he finishes with that call and he gets another one from a fence named Rudman who tells him he couldn't move it, move some CD players. He was going to do this at some convention that was canceled. John is not going to have any, he's not going to have any part of that excuse. And he says he wants the money owed to him. And then he starts threatening Rudman's family and Rudman when he starts spouting off names like his wife's name, his kids' names, and then, and where he lived at. And it seems as if Johnny C is a no-nonsense type of guy. Yeah, let's let's keep that in mind of how he's talking here on the phone. Tough guy, with this right. guy. Yeah, no nonsense type of guy. But keep that in mind for later on. All right. So now we move along to the uh, to Switek's house or actually his apartment. Pretty much, this scene shows how Zito's cramping the style of Darlene and Switek. He's making noise, coming out of the shared bathroom, doing laundry, etc., all at night, watching TV loud. Darlene starts filling Switek's head about how. Zito is holding him back from a promotion maybe to chief and maybe even mayor of Miami. Kind of, I don't want to say string him along, but. Delusion, filling, his, filling head with, his head with delusions of grandeur. Delusions of grandeur, right, exactly. She convinces him of higher aspirations, or he starts thinking about it. Zito cranks up the TV and Switek comes out to say, what the heck's going on? As he's flipping through there, he finds an Elvis show and then Switek is hooked. And sits down and starts doing his Elvis imitation. Darlene calls him back to the bedroom, and it's obvious their love life is being affected by Zito's presence. Personally, Tim, I don't know about you, but I think this scene could have been maybe a Reader's Digest version. I mean, it did show the cramped style, but I think it could have been cut. And I say that leading into this next scene here. Exactly. The next morning... I think in this scene, they could have had an explanation of what actually happened. Kind of like, hey, remember, you know, last night, you know, we couldn't, Darlene and I couldn't be romantic or whatever because you were doing everything so loud. But this next morning, we find that Switek's making Darlene breakfast. She becomes disgusted when um, Zito starts shaving at the table. She's like, oh, I'm not hungry anymore. And to make matters worse, guess who shows up? Noogie and Izzy. They show up unannounced. With Izzy complaining that Noogie says he's running the operation. What the hell are you guys doing here? 
this morning, I am doing my official duty as a lawman. I get to this local harebrain, and he tells me he's in charge of my case. Your case, man. The no man does not work in the shadow. Yo, man, who's the Captain Kurt of this enterprise? Because the no man flies alone, you dig? Especially now with this no good jive cabano echo brain, man. I got a rep. You dissing me, man. Hey, am I working for him? Is he working for me, man? Because you got to have organization in a business is big. You got your Ronald Reagan. You got your Lee Iacocca. You got your Aroldo Rivera. And that's how you stay on top. That's how you get the job done. Organization, eh? Baby, is your hair always this pretty early in the morning? Don't you sleep on it at night, baby? What's Don't touch my hair! Uh, Noogie and Izzy repeat, uh, report that Barry's on the way to the Castelletta operation. And then Zito and Switek, they want to send Noogie and Izzy in to do the dirty work. In a real short exchange at OCB, Crockett and Tubbs, they offer to back them up, but Zito and Switek decline the offer and say they can handle it. And they're going to do surveillance from the Bugbuster van, and I think this is where Tubbs bows out from his entry, I'm assuming. So now we move along to Bonzo Berries with the Noog Man and Izzy going in with a small amount of merch to start a conversation with Barry, maybe to get him interested, get him hook, line, and sinker. Uh, but he's not interested as they were pretty much offering him crumbs. He wants the big lot. Izzy entices him by saying that 2,000 Infinity Proton Monitors are in play. That piques his interest. Noogie then says they'll leave him this small batch of merchandise as a reminder of what he could receive from them, and they start to leave. Barry rethinks his deal and says he's got to go to his distributor as well as needing references from Noogie and Izzy. Noogie tells him that their warehouse, located on Southeast 35th Street, should be good enough proof, and they invite Barry to get a look around. Noogie tells him that pretty much half of Tokyo is in there. An order like this, 30 pieces is really wasted time for me. Since you brought it over, I'm going to do you a favor. Do me a favor? Who you think you're talking to, Jack? With the numbers I'm getting? This is just a door prize. Tell him, Noog, man. Hey, listen, we're very upwardly nubile. We're just going to turn you into a deal for 2,000 proton monitors. That's right, but now I think we'll just leave this here with you as a reminder of what you might have had. Let's book. We got to deal with this. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Barry accepts the offer. So while Zito and Switek are in the van, Switek asks Zito to sleep somewhere else that night because he wants pretty much some alone time with Darlene. Zito acquiesces and says, okay. Switek tells him how Dark thinks that he can move up in the department, probably the even mayor. And then Zito says, hey, she fed me the same line when they were dating, but see, uh, she told him that he could be governor. I don't know why she's selling Switek short here. It's just playing. She's playing the field getting to get what she wants. So now we move along to Barry's at Castellata's yacht again. He has a discussion with John, who's just out there sunning himself. Talks to him about uh, Noogie and Izzy uh, and what they had to offer. And Castellata tells Barry to make the deal after Barry says he's checked out. After that, Barry says, you know what? I checked the reference. They're good. We, we, this will be a good deal. And then we move to, it's more of a night scene and we're at OCB now. And this is where we find Zito, who was more than likely going to sleep there for the night. And he was having a discussion with his fish, Harriet, about his life's uh, predicament. And then Sonny walks in. Zito tells him, you know, I'm here because uh, Stan wants some alone time with Dar. Zito expresses his concern about Stan. He says, you know, this is a guy that could just, bear hugging and crush you but he really has such a soft touch and he doesn't want to see him get shafted and sonny says you know what i don't have a soft touch and i get shafted all the time <laughs> yes. am i interrupting something uh-uh Harry and i are just having something to eat 
We're gonna let Stan and Darlene have some uh, time alone tonight. How is Stan and Darlene getting along anyway? Okay, I guess. The guy's too good. That's his problem. But here's someone who can crush your head in his bare hands, and he cares that your eggs are done just right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just worried about him. Such a soft touch. I just don't want him to get shafted. I don't know. I'm not a soft touch, and I get shafted all the time. <laughs> yes, he does. But I thought this was pretty good, showing the relationship of how these two kind of work together and play off each other, but how they really are. You know, Zito really does give a crap about him choke your neck or whatever, but he's got a soft touch. He knows how you like your eggs. He knows how to make them just right. This really shows the character development in these two, I think. Exactly, it does. Crockett then invites Zito to come and spend a night at the St. Vitus, but he says, no, man, I'm good here. And then the scene just bounces back because it's nighttime to Stan and Dar about to uh, get it on, but it doesn't happen because Stan is worried about Zito and then Dar's pissed off once again. So it's kind of like, I think, you know, they had to shift scenes, but it could be like one of those things where they were just, they're so connected as partners that they were having, they were on the same wavelength and it actually happened at the same time. As right, Crockett, exactly. As Crockett and Zito were talking, Stan was worrying about it while he's, he's in bed with Dar. Next morning, Zito and Switek tell Castillo about their blown cover and how they were using Noogie and Izzy as a way to get into the Castellata operation. And this was, there's two mistakes that, and we'll, I'll talk about the second mistake later, but this is one of two mistakes that they made as undercover guys. You know, up to this point in all these episodes, they've been more support role, but now they're taking the lead. And here they didn't run it by him. And he reminds them that CIs are not used for undercover work. He said, you should have run it by me first. And he tells Zito and Swy to get him off the case. A thousand and one shot. So we took a chance. After our cover was blown with Bonzo Berry, we figured our only option was either those guys or we fold. That's basically it, Lieutenant. At least as you know, you did get us enough on gold to roll them over and force an introduction to Costalada. We use informants for their knowledge of the street, not as reinforcements. You should have asked me first. Get them off the case. And now we move to what I call Noogie's strip joint hangout. And he's back, he's back there. Noogie and Annie are discussing honeymoon plans. Izzy sitting at the bar with him when he's talking. And this is when Zito and Swiatek show up and tell them they are off the case. Noogie and Izzy are disappointed by that because they made some headway with Barry. Izzy's like, I want some compensation. Stan digs out 50 bucks out of his pocket and gives it to them. They leave. And then as soon as Zito and Swiatek are gone, Izzy says to Noogie, hey, you know what? We can get better merchandise so they can continue their undercover op. Noogie is immediately on board with that. So yeah, we're, they want to be their own cops. Yeah, they were, you know, they were, they were getting the rush off of this whole thing. Here's where we move to a concrete facility. And this is where Izzy reveals his master plan to Noogie that they're going to steal the cement trunk. And it's going to be one of the biggest takedowns of all time. And then we have Noogie and Izzy meeting Barry at his office. And they tell him that, you know what? It was basically a use, snooze, use, lose. Right. Monitors were sold. Barry is pissed off, but they offer him the cement truck 
Instead, Barry says, you know what? I got to check with Castellata and Mark. You could take it from here because to me, this is where it really started getting a little bit strange. Okay. Remember when Castellata was on the boat sunning himself and then, or no, when he was talking with uh, the uh, the one guy who didn't want to pay up what Redmond. was uh, sold, Castellata was the tough guy. Hey, I know who you are. I know who your family is. I know where your kids go to school. Okay, sounds like a tough guy. This is where it does get weird. So Barry's in his office. He's skeptical about Noogie and Izzy because they're now offering a cement truck. These things are a dime a dozen. This is where it gets really weird. Tough guy Castellata on the phone gets excited like a two-year-old on Christmas morning with all the toys out there. Oh, and it's a, maybe can you get him a fire truck? I always want to drive a fire truck. Climb the ladder. He tells him, he tells Barry, make the deal. Go ahead, make the deal. He tells Barry that, as a kid, all he wanted were toy trucks. All they had were, I think he said, Tonkers or something like that. But he wants the real deal. And if you could see in this episode, this is where, while he's still on the phone, Barry, he's looking stunned and amazed as in, what the heck is happening? And I can't believe what I'm hearing. He's like, okay. This guy goes from leaning on people and threatening them to acting like a kid. To, to wanting to drive a fire truck. Yeah. Mr. Castellata, uh, I met with those guys about uh, the monitors. Uh, I, I think they're full of it. Uh, what makes you say that? Well, they told me they moved the monitors, and uh, now they're trying to sell me something about a, a cement truck. Now, who the hell would steal or offense a cement truck? Trucks? A cement truck? Maybe they can get me one of those 75-foot French fire engines. They can name their price. You know how bad I always wanted one of those fire engines? Well, uh, no, I guess, uh, uh, no. Let me tell you, ever since I was a little boy, all the other little kids used to play with those beautiful Koji trucks. My parents, all they could afford were those wooden trucks. I hate those stupid wooden trucks. Man, I spit on those wooden trucks. Now, I want to see that cement truck, and I want to see those two guys today. I'll, I'll arrange it. Okay. So here we are at the Crankgate Yard. Um, maybe it was a construction site, but anyway... Noogie and Izzy, actually Izzy's trying to hotwire the cement truck while all the employees there are on lunch break. And it's obvious that Izzy's never operated a vehicle like this before after he starts it. And he ends up dumping the cement into the one of workers' convertibles. Hmm. <laughs> Seen that before. So pretty much the jig is up, huh? So they finally, uh, Zito and Switek here meet up with Barry and they tell him as a ruse that Noogie and Izzy are cops, basically to throw Barry off to start dealing with them again. They press him to set a meeting with themselves in Castellata. Otherwise, Barry's looking at three to five for receiving stolen property. Barry agrees to their deal. Meanwhile, Castellata meets with Noogie and Izzy and the cement truck, and he's in there playing, again, like a two-year-old on Christmas morning. Um, one of the henchmen receives a call from Barry, and... Noogie and Izzy are made out as cops. Guns are pointed. In this scene, this is where I'll talk about mistake number two they made as running their own operation. And I'm, I'm talking about Zito and Switek. As we, it's back at Stan's apartment and we find Darlene on the phone with somebody else, probably some other guy. I don't remember the exact conversation she's had, but basically she's just ready to move on from Stan, I think. He comes in in the bedroom and he says, hey, let's, we're, we're alone, let's let's do the deed. And then suddenly Zito shows up and he enters and he says, 
he tells Stan that Nugent is here in trouble at the South Beach Marina. Darlene gets pissed that he's interrupting them once again. Stan basically, you know, he had enough of this. He dumps her uh, by handing her the picture of Princess Diana. Mistake number two to me was this, that they went to Barry and said, hey, Izzy and Nugent are cops. Don't you think, Mark, that they should have alerted Noogie and Izzy to this, that, hey, we're we're running this operation right. now, but they, they know right. you to be cops, so stay away or be on a lookout, th- lay low type of thing, actually. Right. This was kind of like going back to Izzy's, not Izzy's, Noogie's first appearance. Yes. I forget, in the apartment. Oh, you know, when Crockett set him up and didn't tell him. Correct, and that's when that's when Tubbs got pissed. That's when they were early on in their mm-hmm. their relationship of a professional relationship together. Yep. You know, Crockett pushed the envelope uh, to get the he, he to him the ends justified the means type of thing. So yeah, right. it's really it is. It goes back to the same type of thing. They didn't do it with that intent. They right. didn't do it with the intent right. to put those guys at harm with each other. But this this goes back to I would take it as Zito and Switek not being as good as Crockett and Tubbs. Right. They're not as polished as they are. Right. Right. Young mistakes. So now we move on to the Castellata yacht and there's Noogie and Izzy are seen begging for their lives from Castellata. He orders them and Barry, since he introduced Noogie and Izzy to them, to be killed at sea. Faces, but we tell you zero. We're very professional, homeboy. You're talking to a man who has withstood the finest interrogation techniques. Electrical, mechanical, psychological, philosophical, European, Shut domestic, up, commercial, which is why there's no need for us to prove our valor by by refusing to talk to you now. I mean, if you want me to talk, I'll talk. I'll talk about anything. The look man is known for talking about anything or nothing at all. You guys got nothing to say that I want to hear. Your history. Right, cast off. Mr. Castellano, you can't do this. They're cops. That's right, you're under arrest. You too, Barry, on the floor. Mr. Castellano, what did I do? You introduced me to these two guys. Now I got some serious type questions about you. Suddenly, Zito and Swike that jump on the yacht to save Noogie and Izzy. They shoot it out with Castellano's henchmen. And then here they enter the cabin of the yacht to find Castellano in custody by Noogie and Izzy. They were restraining him. But to me, how did this happen? Uh, because when we last saw them, they were begging for their lives. Exactly. They were taped up. Weren't they tied up or taped up they or something? They were something, yeah. But how did they get out of that? We don't. It's when it Well, they were still things. taped up, though. They were still taped up, but they had them at gunpoint. Yeah. How? how, how? <laughs> one, of them, one of them weird things, but all is well. And it's a TV show. <laughs> right. The case is solved. And you know, when we first watched these way back in the 80s, it was such. We didn't think nothing of it. We were in awe of the whole concept of the show, the clothes, the fashion, everything. And we talked about this in the very, very beginning of this, doing this podcast. So, and we're at Noogie's wedding. And this is where Izzy presents Noogie with a stolen ring for his wedding. Go figure. Everybody from OCB was in attendance. I don't believe Castillo was, but Gina, Trudy, Crockett, but we did not see Tubbs. We didn't then, see Tubbs. And Annie enters doing a strip tease, much to Noogie's delight. <laughs> and then he was like, his eyes are wide, wide open. The ceremony begin, and then Stan thanks Larry for telling him about Darrow's motives. And then the episode ends with Stan looking at Noogie and saying, that could have been me. 
<laughs> yeah, but you know what? What would have been the icing on the cake here as a gift? Crockett handing him a box of turtles. Yes, that would have been. All right, let's briefly go over the ratings. IMDb gives us a seven point three. Wah wah. Tim, I give this a neutral thumb. But if it was the Zito and Switek and the Noogie and Izzy Comedy Hour, I would definitely give it a thumbs up. Right. But it isn't. What essentially is a Zito and Switek forward episode, this was okay. Obviously, like I said, you know, they were getting their character development going and they were taking the lead on an investigation. Yeah, they made a couple mistakes, but, you know, it all worked out in the end. Maybe if they were more played out in previous episodes, it could have been better. Although it was good to get them into the limelight for once to show you what they can do and how to get it done. And they did. The cement truck scene, again, it would have been good in a Noogie and Izzy sitcom. When I saw this, I was watching it. I was thinking this could have been a great Norman Lear spinoff. He's the Norman Lear is the one who did all the family, the Jeffersons, Good Times, etc. This could have been, these two probably could have been a good spinoff show in reality. I'm surprised. That's how it was customary back in those days. But I'm also not going to bring up this Sybil-esque Castellata in being a badass at first, but then acting like a kid at the end. Mark, you know what? I give this episode also neutral rating, just right in the middle. You know, I like the episode that it focused on the Zito and Switek relationship, but it did not have much oom without Crockett and Tubbs being part of the investigation because as with every every investigation that they were on, except when they went to the Glades and things like that, they had always involved the OCB in there. And in this case, when they when Crockett and Tubbs offered, it was, it was declined. But I think what saved the episode was the team of Noogie and Izzy who provided that comic relief with their uh, passive-aggressive banter. And, you know, this show was called Made for Each Other, and I think it was on two fronts. It was two relationships that they focused on, Zeno and Switek, and also Noogie and Izzy. It's kind of like they were, Noogie and Izzy were the non-cop version of Zeno and Switek, at least for me. But again, we've already discussed this. You know, it became weird for me when Castellata started acting like a two-year-old when he found out that he could fence a stolen cement truck, and he hoped Noogie and Izzy could also get him a fire truck. And I mean, just that bouncing up and down in the seat of the cement truck, he, it was just, it was really weird. And then we also talked about how did Noogie and Izzy take him down when they were still, they were still restrained or tied up. Never saw how it happened. But otherwise, it, 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 I agree with you that I liked how they did focus, they did a deeper dive on Zito and Switek's relationship. And it's just, it's one of the things like we've done on this podcast where we focused on one of the main stars, Sonny, and then we did Rico. We did their whole bio. They kind of did that here. The writers did that here with Zeno and Switek. Now we've come to the part of the show where we hope to inspire or enlighten. We have officially named this Snurds Chalkboard of Wisdom. In both the world of Miami Vice and our current world at large, we encounter many challenges we work to overcome. In the interest of creating a family-friendly atmosphere through the show and on our social media, we would like to offer some parting thoughts. A simple quote, phrase, or words of encouragement, or funny quip to you, our listeners. Because without you, our friends, we'd just be talking ourselves. And we say friends because that's what we consider all of you who follow our show and social media. This show's words of wisdom come from Chinese sage Lao Tzu 
when he said, I have just three things to teach, simplicity, patience, compassion. These are your greatest treasures. Simple in actions and in thoughts, you return to the source of being. And with that, we'd like to bring this episode of Vice of Miami podcast to a close. Tim and I appreciate each and every one of you listening, especially the following people who've liked, commented, or shared our posts. On Facebook, we have Anita Lee N., Elaine B., Anche M., Sasha S., Johnny P., Frederick D., Natalie B., Kelly R., Andre I'm Livin' C., Marian Maria S., and Eduardo R. And on Instagram, we have B. Rich Fos. Thanks for the comment. 80s R4 Vents. 80s Culture Forever. Max Hockmeister. Danny Boy 0981. Danny G. Sonny Crockett. Mark Lee 77. Mark A. Nearman. Dance Ziegler 2020. And The Vice Effect. We hope you enjoy what we have to offer in our shows. Please spread the word about us and comment and rate us on your podcast platforms. We will see you next time for Vice of Miami show number 20 covering episode 19 of Miami Vice, The Home Invaders. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Vice of Miami Podcast or email us at viceofmiamishow at gmail.com. Please rate us and comment on episodes and spread the word about the show. On YouTube, press the like button and hit the subscribe bell.